you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Coming up on Huddle and Flow. Basically, with us, everything that's concerned with us inside this building, with the way we are going about our business right now is, is that it is positive. Uh, I'm excited to be here. One of the reasons I'm excited to be here is because of Deshaun Watson. And regardless of what's happening outside this building, which quite frankly, fellas, I don't hear or read or listen to what happens outside this building. I don't. I have people come up to me all the time and ask me about this and ask me about this situation. But the point is inside this building, inside this organization, we feel positive about moving forward with this football team, with Deshaun Watson. That's next on Huddle and Flow. We are back once again at the Huddle and Flow podcast, brought to you by Intuit, the proud makers of TurboTax, QuickBooks, and Mint. I am Steve White, here with my brother Jim Trotter. We are two-thirds of the Howard University mob. Our producer, Thomas Warren, on the ones and twos. He completes the puzzle. And Jim, today, this is this is an, an incredible day, right? We get we get to talk to a man who's involved in the biggest off-season story that there is, and that is Houston Texans head coach David Culley. Steve, you know, there are times when you you set up interviews and you don't know quite what to expect. And I had not personally spoken to David Culley before this interview, but man, I walk away from this and I have to say, this is one of my favorite interviews. This guy's energy at 65 years old, um, his mindset, his positivity, everything is just like, wow. And that is not to say that the Houston Texans are gonna go and have a successful season, but I can tell you this, if I were a player and I had the opportunity to play for this man, based on this interview, I would love the opportunity to play for this man. That's right, Jim. We've done the interview, and we're not going to we're not going to belabor the point much longer. Here, we hit on everything from 
Deshaun Watson to David's path to this point to some extra special stuff, including the interview, the head coaching interviewing process, which is absolutely fascinating. So, Jim, let's get right to it and let's bring in Houston Texans head coach David Culley. All right, Jim, now we're joined by our special guest, Houston Texans head coach, David Culley. Coach, thanks for joining the Huddle and Flow podcast. Steve, glad to be here. Looking forward to it. Coach, we're happy to have you. Look, we're not going to insult your intelligence here. We're going to jump right into it. The big question of the day with the Houston Texans is Deshaun Watson. Have you spoken to him or have you spoken to his reps? I have spoken to him uh, when I did speak to him. Uh, and, and let me just say this too. I've spoken to him. I've also spoken to some other guys on this football team also other than Deshaun, but the conversation that I've had with him and the conversation that I've had with the other players that I've spoken to was a private matter. Uh, it was a matter that was between he and I and the other players that I talked to and in respect for them, I'm going to keep it that way, but yes, we have spoken. I, I completely understand that and respect that. What I will ask you is, based on that conversation, do you expect Deshaun Watson to be a Houston Texan this season? You know, Deshaun Watson is our starting quarterback. I mean, he is our starting quarterback, and I expect him to be our starting quarterback. As a matter of fact, at this point right now, he's the only quarterback on our roster right now that I have signed. So, yes, I expect him to be our quarterback. I'm I'm just I'm just trying to be here or, or clear on this coach, you know, paint you into a corner, as you know, and I know you've been around a long time. So, you know how to kind of deftly sidestep some of this. Will Deshaun Watson be the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans in 2021? He is our starting quarterback as of right now. He is our starting quarterback. Things happen between now and then. And then we'll see what happens. See, Jimmy, coach, you just, you just open the door right now. You just he open the right door now. right now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You've been around, Coach. You know better. Uh-huh. <laughs> he is our starting quarterback. Right okay. now. Mm-hmm. That's right. Right now. And hopefully in the future. But, but Coach, you know, we, we have seen the report. And, and we know they're they're coming from some credible sources. I said he, he told you in your meeting, and he's let it be known to other people, um, that he does not want to return to the Houston Texans. In fact, we had a good friend of his, uh, Jalen Ramsey, on last week. They're represented by the same agent. He said he doesn't think Deshaun is going to suit up for the Texans again. Um, the feeling in the building, I mean, do, is, is it is it you sound positive, but everything we're hearing is sounding negative in terms of his relationship and wanting to return? Well, th- this is how I answer that, is that basically with us, everything that's concerned with us inside this building with the way we are going about our business right now is, is that it is positive. Uh, I'm excited to be here. One of the reasons I'm excited to be here is because of Deshaun Watson. And regardless of what's happening outside this building, which I, quite frankly, fellas, I don't hear or read or listen to what happens outside this building. I don't. I have people come up to me all the time and talk, ask me about this and ask me about this situation. But the point is inside this building, Inside this organization, we feel positive about moving forward with this football team with Deshaun Watson. Coach, you know I got to hit you with the with the outside question here of why do you feel positive? Let me lay this out for you for a minute. You guys have cap issues. 
you have personnel issues, including a quarterback who has let it be known that he does not want to be there. There are trust factors that, that he feels have been broken. You also have a culture problem where some have issues with uh, one of the men at the top and Jack Easterby. So I would ask you, why was this job attractive to you knowing all of those things? It's a tough spot you're in. I mean, to be frank. Well, I couldn't wait. Listen, I couldn't wait to be able to get on this job right here because first of all, coming into this job, first of all, this is the youngest franchise that that's in the NFL right now. They've had some success here uh, with and without different guys here that's been here. And basically those things right there, because when I first got here, I, I didn't see, I didn't feel that. I didn't feel that in the building. I didn't feel that during the interview. Uh, I haven't felt that. Another thing I felt good about being here was with Nick being the general manager. I've known Nick a long time. Uh, I know what Nick is all about. I know what his philosophy is. And I'm aligned with the same way that he is as far as going and building a football team and being successful. And that was the most attractive thing to me once I end up becoming the head coach of the Houston Texans. I felt good about that. Even with all the other situations and the noise going around outside about the Sean, about uh, salary cap and those kinds of things, hey, everything here. And we're working through all of those things right now. And that's what the offseason is for, to work through those things. And then as we move forward, uh, we'll see what happens. But as of right now, I feel really good about it. And this this is no smoke. This is for real. I really believe that, and I feel that way. And moving forward, that that that's how I'm looking at it. And I, and I feel good about that. Even after my discussion that I had with Deshaun, I felt good. I felt positive about things because basically the meeting was basically just a get to know him, get him get to know me. And that's basically what it was about. I felt good about that with the other guys that I called also that I had had uh, Zoom meetings with. And I felt the same way about that. And I felt the same way about the excitement that they have about moving forward from where they were to where we are right now. And I truly so David, believe so David saying you know Nick and you and you're you're aligned with him. What is the philosophy in in putting together this roster and let's just keep it in the short term for the 2021 season. Well, the thing is this, we're looking right now in free agency because we know we've got to bring in some other players. But competition, competition to me has always been one of the things that have made successful football teams successful, you know, in building and doing things. And right now, uh, you talked about earlier about salary cap issues. We've already, Nick has already made some moves and already gone through the process right now of, of doing things to, to make that better for us. And it has already started to happen. You're starting to see us now to sign some players uh, to fill in some, some roles that we feel like we have. And, and, and moving forward with that, that he knows that right now, and, and I feel the same way is, is that exactly what we're doing right now during this process. And it's no different than any other team going through the off season. When you have to make changes, you got people leaving, you got people free agents, you got un unrestricted, restricted, and then you have to make moves to be able to take care of that. And we're in the process right now of doing that. And I feel good about where we're headed and in, in doing that right now. You know, coach, I wanted to ask you about if I could transition for a second to, you being the only black coach hired um, during this hiring cycle. <clears throat> and I read a quote from you at one of your press conferences where you said, I think the league is doing a great job. I think the franchises and everybody is doing a wonderful job of trying to get that to happen in terms of leveling this playing field a little bit. Mm 
And if I could respectfully push back a little bit, I'm looking at the last four hiring cycles. There have been 27 head coaching vacancies. Only three of those were filled by a black person. So from my vantage point, I don't see where the progress is there. And in fact, I would argue that what we're seeing is a rollback, if you will. Why do you feel that progress is being, being made with those numbers? Because even when I look at the last seven hiring cycles, only once in those last seven hiring cycles were more than one black hired in the same year. So why do you feel progress is being made? Well, I think because of all of the people that have been interviewed, you know, there's been more and more African-Americans have been interviewed each year. Now, as far as as who gets who gets hired and why they get hired, you know, I'm, I'm not sure why that is. All I know is that in order to have a chance to get hired, you have to have that opportunity. And those opportunities have basically been there from from the numbers and everything. And that's where I that's where I see that that's why I think progress has been made is that there's been numbers of number of candidates that have been interviewed for, for, for jobs across this league. And again, in the situation here with the Texans, I think all but one or all but a, a couple were African-Americans that have been interviewed for the job here. So when I say progress, when I, I look at it from that standpoint is, is the fact that the opportunities are being there. And I take myself, for example, this was my first time in 27 years of this league having an opportunity to interview for a head coaching job. Now, quite frankly, when I got into this situation and, and uh, got offered the, the opportunity to interview for this job, I've said here, the first thing that went through my mind was this. I've never been a coordinator. Uh, I've never had an interview for a job uh, as a head coach in, in the, at this level. And then all of a sudden, why me, you know? And, 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 and when I talked to Nick and the guys here was, I says, well, look, if you hire me, here's the first thing that I said. I said, well, if you hire me, how do you justify hiring me when I look around all of these other uh, candidates that have been coordinators? Some have been uh, head coaches before. Uh, uh, they've been interviewed multiple times uh, in the league for jobs, sometimes two and three years and, and not getting jobs. But I said, how do you justify that? And, 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 the thing, and because I wanted to know, because I did not want to be an interviewee because of the Rooney rule. I did not want an interview to say that I've been interviewed for a job. I didn't need that. I didn't want that. And before I took the interview, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't a part of that. And they assured me that they that they were looking for uh, the best head coach to fit this situation. And from doing all the research on me through talking to all the people that I've coached with, and, and, and basically, I go back to John Harbaugh, the two years I spent with him in Baltimore, being a big advocate of David Culley being a possible head coaching candidate without having had any of the experience that all these other guys have. Then, you, you know, when that happened and, and I, I got, to, got the chance to interview for the job, man, I had no, I, I had no idea that I was going to be sitting in this position I'm in today. But what I was told when, when I went through this process of doing this. And I've had a lot of my buddies that interviewed not only for this job, guys that I've worked with, but for other jobs that I said, man, you look at the qualifications and I've said, man, my chances of getting this job are very slim and none because of, of the criteria that everybody always says you got to have to be a head coach. I didn't fit that from those standpoints. 
But what I did fit from listening to John Harbaugh and Ozzie Newsom was, was that I've been around pro I've been around franchises in this league that have built before. I was in Philadelphia in 1999. I went from Philadelphia with Andy to Kansas City in 2013. I went to, to Buffalo with, with Sean McDermott uh, in, in, I think it was 2017. And, and then I go to, to uh, Baltimore with John Harbaugh, who basically at that point had been there and done that, but had made a, made a move in that franchise uh, to really flip that franchise back to again to a situation where they've been before in making Lamar Jackson the starting quarterback. The point being this was I had been around franchises that had built that had started, that had had issues of whatever it may have been about, okay, when it hadn't been what it should be. So when I got that opportunity, I was told, go be yourself. And when I went in those interviews after talking to Ozzy and John, I went in with the, with, the, with the philosophy of here's what I believe in. Here's what this 27 years of being in the NFL and the 16 years of being in college that I have seen and all the franchises that I have been around that have been winners – Here's the, here's the process. Here's what it has taken. And I've seen four of those happen and I've been a part of that. And so from when you, Jim, when you asked me about uh, the progress in this league, uh, I look at myself as an example of saying, okay, I'm African-American. I didn't have all those qualifications, qualifications, but I got hired. I got hired. First of all, I think simply because they felt like I was the most qualified to do what this franchise needed to be done to get me to, to, to move it forward. Again, second thing, being an African-American, great, wonderful. But I never looked at it that way. And from that standpoint, uh, for me being hired here, I, I think is progress from the standpoint of saying, okay, an a, a African-American in a situation that I've been in, don't think that you don't have a chance. And don't think simply because you're 65 years old and got your AARP card that you don't really <laughs> have an opportunity to be able to bring a franchise and do what you needed to do. And I felt that way. And I, I look at it from that standpoint. Go ahead, Jim. Co Coach, let me say this to you, though. You're speaking to my point here. When you say you didn't have those qualifications, that's where I feel fundamentally the process is flawed. People try and attach certain positions to whether or not you're going to be a successful head coach, which is foolish to me. You don't have to be a coordinator. You don't have to be a QB coach. You have to first and foremost be a leader of men to be successful as a head coach. And everything else flows from there. So the fact that, that you had to wait almost three decades to even get an interview for a head coaching job says to me that the process is flawed and the way that they go about it is wrong. And add on your college coaching experience, it also speaks to that. So that's why I say, I, I, for me personally, I hate to hear you say you didn't have those qualifications because that feeds into this narrative that you have to be a coordinator or you have to be this to, to be a head coach. You don't, you have to be a leader of men. And as Tony Dungy has said to us, even on this podcast, owners don't know how to hire coaches because they fall into that trap of looking for all of these things that people talk about, but can never identify exactly what they believe it is that the traits that are necessary to be a head coach. So I'm off my soapbox on that, right, but I, I just felt me. Let me reiterate what you just said. When you what, what you just said, so true. When you said about not having the qualifications and whatnot, well, I'll say this: I got hired here because of those things of what you just said. Mm -hmm. It has exactly. nothing to do with that. I, I get so from that standpoint, 
I'm saying this franchise, the McNair family, when I interviewed with them and when I interviewed with Nick, that was what it was all about. I can remember before I, I uh, Jim, before I got this interview, before when Nick called me, uh, we were actually uh, getting ready to play uh, Buffalo in the playoff game. And and all of a sudden it says, well, when this thing is over with, we'd like to talk to you. So when will you think you might be ready to do that? I says, I'm not sure I'm ready because I got to get all my book. I got to get my book together. I got to get my my information together to be able to do that. The first thing he said to me says, I don't care about a book. He says, I don't care about a book. That's not what we're looking for. You know, we're looking for somebody to lead this football team. And again, that being said, I got so excited, Jim and Steve, simply because way back when I put together that book. I've sat with Leslie Frazier and Eric Bieniemy, and I've sat with some of these guys, and we've gotten all these things together about, okay, this is what everybody has put together to be able to, when you go into the interview, you need to show these general managers, you need to show these owners these things. Man, all I took into that interview with me was myself. I didn't have one piece of paper with me when I went into that interview. What? Not one piece of paper with me into that interview. And when when I sat down with John Harbaugh and Ozzie Newsom, who I have the ultimate respect for, is I went in, they said, be yourself. And then I said, look, I'm not paper and pencil. You know, I'm not that. That's not who I am. You know, so, again, I go back to Jim to, to your point. I, I, I can't answer what you're saying about why it hasn't mm-hmm. happened. But I just knew, though, in the example that I had to me was an example of, again, you're looking for leaders of men and Tony is so right. And again, that's what I feel like I've always been now prior to getting this opportunity, all the other opportunities. Listen, I've been around guys probably during the last probably 10, 15 years that I feel like I helped get jobs, you know, I mean, and, and all of a sudden uh, I'm sitting here saying, wait a minute, uh, you know, I see this happen. I see that happen. And then you start to think about it. But let me go back to why I feel like I'm here now is this, is that I've always been taught and told coming through this business is that the best thing you can do for getting your next job is to be the best that you can be at the job that you're at in whatever position that is. And I've taken that and I've used that. Now, have there been times when I've sat here and said, I can't use the words right here, but could I sit yes, here you can. Say, go for it? But I'm not going to. <laughs> but, but but why why not me? Why can't I get an opportunity to do this? But again, I always went back to that that thing of being the best that you can be at what you're doing. And again, I got to the point where I, it wasn't like I was looking for one, and it wasn't like it, if it never happened that I would be disappointed during my career. I wasn't. I was com- completely happy that with where I was at, with what I was doing, and still believed at some point especially when I came to Baltimore with John Harbaugh, he reassured me. And going back to Jim, to what you said earlier about qualifications, Andy Reid would didn't call plays when he became a head coach prior to Andy Reid becoming a head coach. We were told you needed to be a coordinator. Well, he wasn't a coordinator. He got hired. So then that one got thrown out the window because he got hired. Coach, there are so many of those that have been thrown out the window and exceptions right. have been made for those. And, and, and that's part of the frustration here. Correct. That I think black Correct. coaches have always been told you have to follow this path and they follow that path. And then they're not afforded the opportunity well, to have I'll, a shot at being a head coach. 
I was one of those that have been told that. And then finally, and then again, I'm going to go back and use John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh wasn't a coordinator when he got the job. When Ozzie Newsom hired John Harbaugh, John Harbaugh was a defensive back coach. And the reason he went to be a defensive back coach, and I'm just going to tell you this here too, is because he said, you know, they're not hiring special teams coaches. Well, here's, here's a guy that's not African-American is saying, look, I'm a special teams coach. They're not going to hire me. So he goes in and says, look, I, I want to be a head coach someday. And they're not hiring special teams coaches. Well, he's got, he, he goes to John and says, look, I want to coach secondary because I, I want to have a chance someday. If not, I'm going to go to Stanford and be the defense coordinator for my brother and have a chance to get a job someday. Well, point being is those two examples right there, which changed, changed Jim and Steve, as y'all saying about how this process is going. I feel good about it simply because here is someone that, and, and I, and I go back to Steve that I can remember you doing an, an interview talking about all the potential head coaches that were African-Americans that were been looking. And, and I don't feel bad about this, but I wasn't one of those guys you had on. No, your I, I didn't, no, so, I, I, didn't mention, right. I didn't mention your name. That's right. Yeah, and my, my point but, being is go ahead. No, no. And I'll say this, Jim and I don't say these things off the top of our head. We talk to, you know, right. the Alliance. we talk to all these other people and, and they, right. they help us. Right. right. So exactly right. I mean, it's not, it's not just us. I mean, so in terms of this whole process, your, your name, I mean, I'm being honest, wasn't one that popped up. Right. And, and, and I understand that. I understand that completely. But what I'm saying is this, is that I was fully confident in when I got this interview that if what they're looking for, if the things they're looking for is what they're told me they're looking for, I felt like I fit that bill. And I had to come in and convince them that I fit that bill. And, and I'll say this, during the interview process, my first process was, was a Zoom. Then after the Zoom, after the Zoom now, I didn't hear anything for about six days. So I'm sitting there saying, I'm waiting on that call back to say, hey, look, I'm moving forward. And I'm getting ready. At that time, we were getting ready to go on vacation in Baltimore a little earlier than we expected. And, and so I got my dog, my cat, and my wife, and we're getting ready to drive to Tennessee to go see my family. And then next thing you know, I get a phone call and I tell John, I says, John, listen, has that call come in? And he said, yeah, the call just came in. He says, but ain't the call we expected. They want you for a second interview. Once I got that call, I didn't. And listen to this, fellas. I didn't change my plans now because I'm sitting here saying, look, I'm going down here for an interview. I'm going to be down here for the day. I'm going to come back. And then when it's over, I'm, I'm going to probably be in Tennessee somewhere driving down I-40, I-80 to Tennessee from Baltimore and you know, they're going to tell me that, you know, it's, it's over. Well, it didn't happen that way. I didn't make that trip to Sparta, Tennessee. I did. I got a dad that's 94 years old. that's still hanging in there. And I got to make that trip a week later after they named me the head coach of the Houston Texans. Oh, and let me cool. tell you something. So I, I'm sitting here saying, Jim and, and, and Steve, is that that process, it, it's not, it hasn't been right. It has not been right. But I do know this from my experience, and I told Leslie and Eric and some of those guys we've been on conversations before that listen, I, hey, I don't know, I don't know why it was me, you know. All I know is I knew what they were looking for, and obviously I had enough in me to convince them that that I was the right guy to do that, and I felt one hundred percent confident to do that. And when I did it, and they gave me the job, and listen, men, of all those things y'all just asked me, whether it's about Deshaun or Steve or, or, or Jim, or whether it's about the personnel and those kind of things, man, that stuff doesn't, doesn't scare me at all. Listen to me. I've been doing this for 43 years. There's nothing happening in this league right now that I haven't seen 
and that I'm also not surprised that nothing surprises me in this league. It's not like I hear something and I say, man, can you believe they did that? Yeah, I can believe they did that because it's happened before. You know, I I got hold on. I got two questions for you. I want to follow up on that. But first, I want to ask you this. When you go back to Sparta and you meet with your 94 year old father. Yes. Uh And you tell him you are the head coach of the Houston Texans. What is that moment like and what is that conversation like? Listen to this. It meant more to me, to me, for him to be able to say, David, I'm so proud of you. You know, he says, I'm telling you. And it's, it's almost like right now he is, is saying like he's 94. He's sitting there saying that now I believe I can make it to 100 because of the way I feel right now awesome. because of what's just happened to you. And I'll say this here, too, to both of you. I was not going back to Baltimore before after I got this job, I was not going to go back to Baltimore before I went there first, simply because you never know at 94 what's going to happen. So this franchise right here, the McNair family said, listen, you take the next you you take the plane. They sent me and my wife to Tennessee right then. And soon as I got off of that private plane, it wasn't commercial. It was private. Soon as I got off of that plane, I went directly to my dad's house. He was asleep. I woke him up. And we stayed up from 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock talking about what just happened. And oh, wow, that's and, incredible. And to me, it was, uh, I felt so, now I felt validated. I felt validated that my oh, dad, man. my dad had seen that. So again, I, I couldn't be, I couldn't be more elated to be in this position. And I'll tell you this, I don't know if I win one football game here, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to do everything in my power to be able to do that. They've, they've given me, what I need to be able to do what I need to do for this, for this franchise to do. They trust in what I'm doing. They trust in the direction I'm going and, and I'm going to take it and go that direction, you know, and I, and I believe in what we're doing. I believe in it 100%, you know, and they're going to have, they're going to have to throw me out of here. No, I I, look, we could sit here and talk to Sean. We could sit here and talk personnel, everything else, but that conversation, just, just thinking about it between you and your father to me, it gives me goosebumps, man. Well, it, 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 that was everything, Coach. I mean, I'm telling you, Coach, we've had a lot of great conversations on this podcast, right? What you just took us through is so human and so loving and so special. I'm sitting here like, I mean, th- that that's just awesome. I mean, well, for, for any of us to be able to experience something like that, well, it, well, it's is, is just awesome. That's real. That's real. And let me tell yes. you something. That's bigger than football. Absolutely. So, you know, and and I'll tell you what, when, when I go back there now, uh, I've only been back uh, one time since then. I mean, the, the feeling that 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 they get from me being in the position that I am being African-American also being. Listen, I bring this up again, being 65 years old with that card that I use. And I use it, man, when I go to Burger King and McDonald's and get my bag. I use it. I still use it. I'm not ashamed to use it now. So my point is, it, 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 it just makes me feel so good to know that. And I think about through the history of when I first came into this league, too. I've gotten calls from, from uh, James Harris, from Doug Williams. I've gotten calls from coaches that have been in this business for a long time that have mentored me. Jim Skipper, guys that have been here before I ever got here. When there was only one of us on a staff, you see, that have mentioned to me about being proud of where I'm at at this point. And because of my journey and where I come from. But listen, man, I never felt like it was a big journey because you know what? During that whole time, Jim and Steve, I love what I do. 
I love what I do. My wife keeps asking all the time, when are you going to retire? I said, retire? Why do you want to retire doing something that you love doing? And not only that you love doing, that you're pretty good at doing, that you've been pretty good at it. And if you weren't pretty good at it, they would have retired you. So that's my plan right now. Coach, how does this moment compare to even when you went to Vanderbilt and you became the first black quarterback at Vanderbilt University? The significance of that, the significance of this moment, are they comparable? Uh, it's, it's comparable, but he, here, here's the difference at that time. At that time, I was 18 years old, all right? When I went in there, I was 18 years old. I went there, Jim and Steve, because, and the reason I didn't go to Tennessee or someplace else was simply because they weren't going to play me as a black quarterback. They was recruiting me as a quarterback, but when I came there, Steve Sloan, who was a head coach at that time, and Bill Parcells, who was recruiting me, at that time. And speaking of this, Romeo Cornell was recruiting me also, but from another team at that time. So my point being is, is that all those, those three people said, you're going to be a quarterback. You're going to play quarterback for us. And that's why I went there to be able to do that. Now I didn't play quarterback as much as I like to have played quarterback, but they kept me at quarterback because that's what I was when I came out. That's what I was going to be. And because listen to this, I sat one time at Vanderbilt University or actually Tennessee State and Grambling used to play football games at our stadium because they would have so many people come to the game that their stadium wouldn't hold them. So they would come to they would come to Vanderbilt to play. Listen, I saw uh, I saw Joe Gilliam and James Harris through a driving range rain throw for like 500 yards apiece on a night when nobody could throw. And I sat here and you're saying. This is why I want to be a quarterback. And then I go back later and see those guys in the NFL. And listen, man, I'm going back to the history. That motivated me right there to see those guys doing what they did and sit here and saying is, man, that could be me someday. That wasn't me throwing because I wasn't nowhere near near as good as, as Joe Joe and, and, and James were at that time. But I'm going to tell you something right now. To, to be in this position, watching those kind of guys, and, and again, I'm going back to watching those HBCU schools play during that time, not just for the halftime show, all right, but watching <laughs> those guys do those things, I'm telling you, motivated me, motivated me throughout my whole career. So, so that's awesome. So now that you're sitting in this chair and you talk about just those two schools, Eddie Robinson and John Merritt, like two of the greatest coaches ever. I mean, since we're talking about history here in HBCUs and those two schools you saw, those are two of the greatest coaches ever. And listen to this. John Merritt recruited me also at that time. John Merritt was there at that time. And let me tell you something. Uh, talking about living legend. And again, obviously, when you talk about Eddie Robinson, you go to a whole different level right now with that. But the point is, you're exactly right. And 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 Jim, going back to, to what you said about what did it mean back then, it meant more to me back then to be playing that position, having looking at at those guys playing at those schools and me being at Vanderbilt, being able to do the same thing. That's what it meant to me. But this here, being the head coach of the Houston Texans at this point in my career, to me, you know, validates all of those things that I went through back in 1973 when I first went to school. It validates everything that I went through as a coach going through the college ranks, uh, going through the NFL ranks. I mean, it validates because basically what I did was I believed in myself. I happened to get around some people that trusted me and believed that someday this could happen. And then it, it happened, you know, and then here I am. I'm curious if you ever had conversations with Lamar 
who in many ways faced some of what you faced in terms of others not believing that he could play the position. I did have conversations. You know, Jim, I did, Steve. I had conversations with him. And we sat down and we talked about that. And listen, and the one thing I mentioned to him was this. Listen, and he was so motivated because people kept saying to him was this, is that, oh, here's a running back playing quarterback. Here's a, you know, here's an athlete right here that, that basically all he could do is run. And, and the one thing I said to him was this. I said, listen, you're obviously the franchise quarterback at this place. When John Harbaugh made the decision to go with you, he saw a quarterback that could take this franchise to the next level to win a Super Bowl. And basically, with that being said, just remember, you're not going to be judged on what you do with your legs. You're not going to be judged on what you do with your arms. You're going to be judged on a quarterback is how many games you win. And that's the bottom line. And obviously, you're off to a great start to doing that. And eventually, at this point in your career, if you go back and look at him at his at this point in his career, and you look at uh, some of these other quarterbacks that have gone on to become Hall of Fame type quarterbacks, where they were at that point in their career, he is at least there, or maybe ahead of some of those guys. So the point being is, is that he understands that. And in no at no point did, was it ever a thought on him to be any other other thing other than the quarterback. And being not only that, just a quarterback. And that's, that's how he's perceived there. That's how he's looked at there. And, again, uh, uh, I, I felt good. That was one of the reasons why I went to Baltimore with John Harbaugh was because two reasons, actually three reasons. Ozzie Newsom, who, if y'all don't know, remember this, I hosted Ozzie Newsom on a recruiting visit when he was a senior in high school at Vanderbilt University. Yeah, don't I, quite I remember that one. That. Don't quite remember and, that and, one. And listen, and, listen, and okay. ask Ozzie about this sometime. And then I'll tell you this. I, I told him this. I says, I was a heck of a recruiter back then for the university, but I think you did the right thing in going where you did. He made a good decision. <laughs> but I did. And then the other one was, was John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh. And then, because I worked with John Harbaugh for eight years at Philadelphia. And John Harbaugh had always talked about working together. And I had the utmost respect for him, and he had the utmost respect for me. And he saw me in the same light that he saw himself as a head coach. And when he brought me there with him and we finally got it worked out, then I could, I, you know, it's happened. And then Lamar Thomas, I told him, I says, Lamar Thomas, I said, we have a chance every time we go on the football field to win a football game because of this young man at your quarterback right here. You mean Lamar Jackson, right? Lam- uh, yes. Who did I say? Okay. Lamar, Lamar Thomas. Thomas. You know why I say Lamar Thomas? Lamar Thomas, I coached him at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He recruited Lamar Jackson to Louisville. Really? Oh, you're you right. see that? Wow. He recruited wow. former UM. Okay, the former yeah, UM wide receiver. I okay, I associate those two because he recruited Lamar Jackson to Louisville. Wow. Okay, great. Hey, so, wow. so a question: You talk about Lamar Jackson. You were the passing game coordinator. We've heard so much about Lamar's inability to do certain things in the passing game, but you designed things around his strengths, right? Yes, we did. Talk about. What, what about his ability? Because so many people want to put limitations on what he can't do. Man, th- man, there is no limitations on him. And you're going to see that as time goes along. You're going to see that. Listen, it's the, it's the scheme that they're doing right there right now. The scheme fits what they're all about in Baltimore. The scheme fits what they want to do in the running game. And, again, as 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 the passing game starts to progress, you got to remember now, you, you know, he's going into his third year, getting ready to go into his fourth, third or fourth year now. Is Again, now, Things are going, you're going to see him progress to the point. Not only him, it's not just him now. It's the, it's, it's, it's everybody else around him, you know, has to get to that level to where you understand and get to that point. 
understand this. When they get to that point to where he's going to do that, other than playing the Houston Texans, I think it, they could they could beat anybody that they could beat because of that young man at quarterback. And he's and he's 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 the total quarterback. You can see, he's doing what they've asking him to do. And he, and what and then I'm gonna say this as a defensive coordinator, if you ever ask him not to do the things that he's doing as a quarterback right now, as a defensive coordinator, who you're gonna say, please don't run. Please don't right. do those thank things, you. you know. So, <laughs> thank you. I, you know, I'm just saying now. I thank you so much. And then what ends up happening is now they're sitting there saying, "Let's make him throw." I, I've been in ball games there where they made him throw and he won football games. So I, again, the, all of that stuff they said about those kind of guys at that position being quarterback, having been one myself, and in the situation that he's in now, I couldn't run like him, couldn't throw like him, but I know this: that a quarterback is a quarterback. And that guy is a quarterback. Well, Coach, if I could bring it back uh, full circle to to the Texans, you made a comment where you said you've been a coach in this league nearly three decades. You've seen everything. Compare a situation that you've seen in the past to what you are currently facing with the Houston Texans. I haven't seen this exact thing happen, but I've seen guys that have been unhappy where they've been. I've seen guys that that at, at some point, uh, and, and I've seen things get worked out, especially in situations. The one situation I haven't been in is a situation where you go in. I haven't been a, a head coach come in and you come in a situation and, you know, you, you, you hear all these stories about the franchise quarterback. Don't want to be here. Don't want to be there. I haven't seen that situation, but I've been around situations in this league where guys have been unhappy in their particular situation for a variety of reasons. And and sometimes those reasons being legit, sometimes not being legit from the standpoint of I go back to this is that when you get in those situations like that, the one thing that you want to make sure as a football team that you have is you want your football team to be about the team, not about you, not about me. And then what ends up happening is this. When it gets to the point what I have seen, Jim, and going to answer your question about seeing everything, what I have seen is this is that I have not seen a football team in this league be successful year in and year out when it is about one guy or it's about this guy or it's about that guy. It is always and always has been and always will be about the team. And then as a team, your teammates look at it the same way. Now, obviously, at the quarterback position, that being the position on offense and on your team, the most visible position, then obviously that's where it starts. But the point there is this is that at some point when it gets to that point where decisions have to be made, listen, he's our quarterback. And I feel great about him being our quarterback. And if he is, he if, as I said before, he is our quarterback. And, and when it gets to that point where we're there with that, then I'm ready to go with that. I'm ready to go with that. If, if it gets to the point where that's not the case, then we're still going to be ready to go and we're going to make adjustments and we're going to move on just like coaches do in this business. But right now we're not in that situation where we have to worry about that. We're in a situation. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, the the way I was going to ask you to frame it this way, how confident are you that this situation with Deshaun can be worked out to where he will be your starting quarterback week one of the 2021 NFL season? I'm very confident. I'm very confident. I'm very confident. So, but coach, here's, here's to follow that up. You're confident, but, he doesn't seem to have an issue with you. You're new. You guys, you guys are just potentially starting a relationship. His issues seem to be above you or somewhere else besides you. 
So how confident are you that those relationships or whatever is going on can be reconciled? I'm, remember this now. We're moving forward. You know, we're moving forward. And my, our, all our conversations have been with all of our players here is that we are moving forward. And that we're going to go forward and we're going to go forward with everybody that is in, all in with us that wants to go. And and I, I like to think and I feel like that as we move forward, as we're going, we're going to move forward all in with everybody that's all in with us. And I and I feel like that everybody's going to be all in, um, including him, including everybody else that's been here, that we're moving forward and we're going with it and we're going to go with that way. I just want to say I'm not a member of the Houston Texans, but I'm ready to suit up and play for Coach Cully. I'm telling you. <laughs> Well, listen, I'm, now, I'm ready to do that. Hey, listen, don't, hey, don't you guys go too far now. I know how old you are. Listen, I don't know. And I know I know Steve Hughes, a former quarterback. You know, Jim, I, I, I don't know if y'all can do the things that you used to do to be able to help us get where we need to get. But I will say this, though. I would like to have your experience. I'd like to have your knowledge right here. But as far as putting you on the football field, man, I can't do that. Okay. Oh, coach. Hey, coach, you just hey, burst I can't my do bubble, that. You know coach. You just you know burst what? my bubble. Hey, Jim. Jim, why is it our last two guests? They say something. We're just like, okay, time to go. <laughs> you know. Hey, <laughs> hey listen, man. You, hey, you guys are very good at doing what you do. Very good at doing what you do. So are you, well, coach. So are hey, you, David. We, we, David. This, I mean, we've had again. We've had some incredible conversations on this podcast. But from where you took us through this last 35, 40 minutes has been an amazing, an amazing journey from, well, from taking this job to everything you had to go through to seeing James Harris and, 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 and Joe Gillum play at Vanderbilt University to hearing that story about your father, man. I mean, Jim, this is like. This is great. No, I, this, is, this is fantastic. Look, like I say, I had never met Coach Cully, but. Based on this conversation, he is someone I would have loved to have played for. Well, listen, back back then when you guys were where y'all should be playing, I would have loved to have you playing for me too. I appreciate well, that, Coach. There we go. Well, Coach, we, we can't thank you enough. This, this has been absolutely fantastic. We appreciate you. We wish you the best of luck. We wish your father – the best Thank of you. luck and, and, and cheering for you. And and this, and listen, I'm gonna go. Well, hey, I'm gonna call him a little bit later on and tell him I've been on with you two guys. He'll be excited. Well, hail well, him I, up. Hail him up. Hey, for you it. know what he's gonna say to me? He says, "You finally made it." <laughs> <laughs> now you made it long before then, <laughs> yeah. my friend. Yeah. Long yeah. before. Thank you very well, much. Well, thanks so much, Coach. Appreciate you. Thank you both. Appreciate it. Like I said, Steve, how can you listen to that and not want to suit up for this man? So I know Deshaun has some 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 issues with um, some folks at the top of the organization. But man, David Culley, it, it, to me, based on what I heard, this man understands how to lead men. And just just a fantastic guy, fantastic interview. And um, I, I can only wish him success. Yeah, Jim, look, look, you know, one thing we didn't really get to in here because uh, to me it would have taken away from just a, a fascinating interview was the fact that David Culley, who everyone says was going to a hopeless situation, still might be, but he's put together a fantastic staff. I mean, he's got Lovey Smith and Pep Hamilton and a, and a lot of really good people on the staff. Now, they don't know who or what they're going to be working with when it comes to molding the Play-Doh, 
that's being assembled down there in Houston. But David Culley has, you know, his, his relationships that he talked about some, you know, in, in that interview have really come well into play. But I think some of the fascinating things that that he really showed us is one, he I don't think he's really sure. He may say he's optimistic or positive about Deshaun Watson being back. I didn't necessarily take that. Um from his comments. I mean, th- this is going to be intriguing, but I think we're going to have an answer to this very quickly. I think sooner rather than later. Uh, I definitely think before the draft, and and this is the first time more than at any point that I truly believe Deshaun Watson will be traded from this standpoint. When you use terms like right now, he's on the roster, or we want guys who are all in and knowing how Deshaun feels about the organization, can't see how that works. So from my standpoint, my vantage point, whether it was intended or not in this interview, I walked away thinking Deshaun Watson will not be a Houston Texan next season. Yeah, and, and I'm glad both of us were able to bring the clarity of like, hey, you you don't have any issues with him. He doesn't have any issues with you. It's other people. Sure. Right. And 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 that's and that's the issue. But Jim, just what a fascinating interview to hear him talk about Joe Gilliam. For all you guys don't know, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks ever played. Black quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers took Terry Bradshaw's spot for a while. Okay, I mean um, to talk and, about Jack Harris in a, in a driving rain and seeing them throw bullets through a driving rain. You know, it's in Vanderbilt Stadium. It's just phenomenal, phenomenal. So I could have listened to those type of stories all day. Just, just you know, you try not to set expectations on interviews when you have your guests and whatnot. And and I didn't in this case, but man, he blew me away. I, mean, I just got to be honest, he blew me away. And Jim, you know, and look, and you really drove just to me, just a fascinating line of information too, when you were asking about the process of the head coaching hiring. And I, I just thought it was fascinating where he's just saying, I didn't have the qualifications. I've been here all this time. No one's brought my name up before yet. Here I am. And I thought just that whole line of, Whoa! Hey, I didn't. I didn't bring a binder into the interview. You know, I didn't have all of this working for me, and so it was almost like listening. And I'm sorry, folks, if you get offended. Listening to a white coach talk about all of the things that work for him, his relationship with Nick Casario, the fact that that's really what drove it. This is what we want. You don't have to be a play caller. You're going to get an opportunity because we've seen so many white coaches kind of go through that type of – they weren't 65 when that happened. They were probably 35 to 45. But I, I just thought that was just captivating stuff, and I really hope you, the listener, uh, took a lot out of that. I'm right there with you, Steve. I couldn't have said it any better. Just um, there was so much meat on the bone there about so many things that you could chew on all day. So, I, you know, I sound like a broken record here, but just it was fascinating, man. It was dude, fascinating. He just impressed me to no end, um, no end. So but I'm never going to forget out of everything we talked about there. I'm never going to forget the visual image I have of just him going back and spending two hours with his father after being named the head coach. And just what that conversation meant. And to have a son talk about feeling validated in that moment, you know, um, damn, it just, it, it does. It gives me goosebumps. So, Jim, I am, I am really hoping, I don't care who's listening to this story, we can, we can claim exclusivity on this when it happens that 
once everyone gets vaccinated, everyone feels comfortable that Jim Trotter is sitting in the living room in Sparta, count, Tennessee. <laughs> count on it. No, you watching, can, you can yeah, watching David's first game with him. I, I, that to me, the way you could storytell and, and, and just observe and oh my God, Jim, I, I am that better count happen. On <laughs> count on it. Count on it. So if I get the vaccination, count on it. Well, you know, we, we but we both have our AARP cars too, Jim, but we're not quite old enough to get the vaccination yet in California. I got to start using it at Burger King and McDonald's, you know? I don't eat so. that, though. I don't eat that. I got to find someplace else. I don't eat that stuff. That All right, Jim. so great. This, this man, right. I, feel, I feel so good. But go ahead, you go ahead and bring us home. That was just spectacular, man. Yeah, we, we thank you all for listening. We thank you for subscribing. Um, and we ask that you continue to leave us messages about who you want to hear from, what topics you want to hear touched on. That way, we can continue to give you more of what you're funking for. That's right. And to give you more, next week, we are going to have our first repeat guest on the Huddle and Flow podcast as producer, storyteller, reporter, and Twitter beast Soledad O'Brien makes a return, Jim. That's going to be fantastic to get her back on. But until then, please stay safe. Please remember to support our sponsor, Intuit, who is the proud makers of TurboTax, QuickBooks, and Mint, and the proud sponsor of the Huddle Flow podcast that keeps us rocking and rolling right here. For Jim Trotter, our producer, Thomas Horn on the ones and twos, I am Steve Weich. We are the Howard Mob, and we are out. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and every body. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.